We're going to have um, Stanley speak today. And um, as he comes up, I just wanted to say that I've been thinking a lot about how much even our church family has changed as, as people will reach out online or call or send an email. I think there are people who've joined us in this last year who, who might not know our history or might not know who we are. And so I've asked, and I also just feel like God's really been speaking to us about talking about Jesus and about who Jesus is, is and what it means to follow Jesus. And so over the next few months, it's going to be spread out over the next few months. I'm asking um, certain people to share their testimonies, share their salvation stories, um, where they come from and how God touched their lives. And so we're going to start with Stanley Dahl. We love Stanley. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> so as she said, I'm going to share my testimony. Um, I've been saved for 48 years, so hold on. It's going to take a little while. Just kidding. I'm going to, I'm just going to sum it up. Um, but really what I want to talk about is the process of growing in God. My testimony of the process of growing in God. I got saved Christmas Eve, 1972, 15 years old. And, um, then for six years, I ran as hard and as fast and as far away from God as I could. And uh, you would have never known that I had said a prayer and asked Jesus into my life. God knew. And he kept sending people after me all the time, an unending line of Christians trying to tell me that I needed Jesus and that I was a sinner. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I know all that. In fact, you don't have to tell me I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I'm pretty proud of that, in fact being from Montana, us Montanans are proud of being sinners, or this one was anyway, I should probably include myself in that lump. Um, so I then, but in 1978, I started serving God again. And um, I, I've always had a semi-strong personality and a pretty aggressive. And so that's what my Christianity looked like. And um, I knew how bad I was. And I knew what Jesus saved me from. And because I belonged, at the very least, locked in a cage for a long time, or, or worse. And I was deserving of that. And uh, Christ came into my life and rescued me before any of that ever happened. And I just thank him for that. But I needed to go through a process, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. This process of, of me transforming and understanding what was happening to me and bringing me to a place of comfort in him. Comfort in sharing him, comfort in being a witness for him, because I wasn't real comfortable. I mean, I knew people needed Jesus because they were sinners, and, and let me tell you, I told them. I wore a hard hat. I worked in a lumber mill, wore a hard hat that had John 3.16 on it. Another one talked about how everybody was a sinner, and, and I carried my Bible everywhere I went, and I made a deal with God that I would witness to everybody in the lumber mill, and he'd let me out. I did witness to everybody in the lumber mill, and then the lumber mill closed down, and I was unemployed for two years. Um, and I think he removed me just because it was like, these people don't need you anymore, Stan. They probably didn't need you to begin with because let me tell you, the way I would witness to them is, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, and you need Jesus because you're a bad person. All true, but all delivered wrong. And from that time on, for the first 10 or 15 years, I took every evangelistic course I could, two-question test, evangelical explosion, uh, to Roman Road, all of them, and I did them all. 
And I know up to that point, I witnessed to over 5,000 people because I did it on purpose. And I counted, which right there was a problem to begin with. Um, shouldn't have been counting at all because that's not what it's about. In fact, my testimony, my process was about me telling people about Jesus, keeping score, knowing I was doing right, which is not what this is all about. Salvation, Christianity, serving God is about Jesus, not me, but it was all about me. And so I go through this whole process, and believe my wife will testify I was brutal. She uses a lot stronger words than that. And uh, I'm a lot better now. Every day, every way, and every day, I get better and better. Um, because I went through this process. So I want to share some scriptures with you about that process. And this is not linear. This was all happening at once. That brought me to a new understanding for me. And hopefully, if you're at a place of, how do I do this? How do I be a witness? How do I have a testimony? How, how in, in our society today, when everybody's offended about everything, how do I tell people about Jesus? What do I do? So I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what God has done in me. The one thing you need to know is very early on in 1978, I realized I had prophetic gifts and I was used in words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and prophecy a lot. And my basic delivery was, Jesus just showed me blah, 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 blah about you. And then I would ask, is that accurate? And they'd be like, uh, yeah. But the delivery was all wrong because my heart was wrong. And even though I did that, even though I was being used by the Holy Spirit, I was still responsible for it, and there was still too much of the old stand hanging around that was tainting the new stand and mixing it up. And I had to go through this process. So I want to read this scripture to you. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I am nothing. There's not one thing about being a bad person there. Those are all good things to do. Those are all things we're encouraged to do, exhorted to do by the word of God itself. But man, if they aren't covered in love, they're a waste of time. That's what it says. I'm not making that up. It says that. It means nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always persevere. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there's tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when the completeness comes, when Jesus returns and takes us all into heaven, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. And believe me, that's what I talked like when I first started serving God, like a child. It was all about me and all about what I knew. 
I thought, I, I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childhood, my childhood behind me, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. I'll be known fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Man, I needed that. <clears throat> and I needed to go through a process to get it because I pretty much didn't believe anybody could love me because I knew how bad I was. I was amazed that my wife married me and even more amazed that she stayed with me. Just amazing. And now we've been married for 43 years. That's a long time for her to stay with me. 45. Oh yeah, 45. Sorry, 45 years. See, it's amazing. She's still here. It's wonderful. Matthew, and so first thing was I needed to come under an understanding of how much that love was, and I had to receive that love, and that was the process. I, God never had to work any up. He already always had it. I'm the one that had to come to an understanding of it, come to a place where not only an understanding, but a receiving it, and then most importantly, believing it. I had to believe that God loved me no matter what, and that was my biggest struggle. Matthew 26, verse 39 Going a little farther, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time. My father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. Now, the part I, I'm not going to go into most of that. Just the part that God had a will of what he wanted done, and Jesus' will was like, quite shaky. I really don't want to hang on his cross, and I really don't want to die. And his flesh was, he, it's a whole reason he came. His spirit knew, but he was still a man, and it was going to be ugly and mean and horribly painful. And, and so the question here is, do we have free will? And this is something I had to understand after becoming a Christian, is I had my own will. I got to do whatever I wanted. God didn't magically take my will away, because that's what I wanted. I want to quit doing this, God. Take this from me. I don't want to beat people up anymore. Take it from me. He didn't. He gave me the grace to overcome it, but he didn't take it magically from me. One day where I just said, oh, oh, well, I don't ever want to beat anybody up. I still have that longing. Any of you have ever had any kind of addiction? I still remember the euphoric feeling of adrenaline rushing through me as I was standing over somebody, them bleeding on the ground. Sick, right? Yeah, sick. I still remember it. My brain wasn't washed away. I have to make a choice every day. I'm never going there again. And by the grace of God, I haven't gone there in 38 years. Hallelujah. Joshua 24, 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. That is a decision you got to make every day. Now, replace gods with job, sports, anything. You can put God, anything in there that can become a god. Anything more important than God himself becomes a god, including yourself. 
You have to choose every day. You get up in the morning and say, no, I'm going here, not there, every day. All right, now, this was the hardest one for me right here. This was the hardest one. Matthew 7, 12. So in everything you do, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Well, that's easy. I will treat other people the way you want to be treated. Not, for most of you, that's simple, but I like fighting. That wasn't enough for me, so let's go to the next one. So when you were a mere, Romans 2, 3, and 4. So when you were a mere human being, when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on one another and you do the same thing, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Whoa, that was hard, because I wasn't a kind person. I wasn't. There's no joking about it. I, I, yes, there were many things that I didn't want other people to do to me, and so I figured I shouldn't, but kindness, that was hard. That was really hard for me to do. But it's critical, because it's what helps people see long for the change that repentance is. Because repentance just means I'm going this way, the wrong way, and I'm going to turn around and go this way. Well, when you're telling people what horrible, filthy, stinking human beings they are because they're stupid and they believe dumb things, they're like, exactly why do I want to go that way? That's the way you're going, and I don't like you. I don't think so. I don't think I want to go. Sorry, I moved out of the camera. apologize. Um, I... You see what I'm saying? They, that, they need to see kindness, the kindness of God. So in Galatians 5, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Almost all of those are about you affecting someone else. Spirit of God comes in you so that your actions, your thinking, your behavior affects other people in a positive way. So I, I want to read Galatians before that out of the Message Bible. This is, rip your heart right out. Rip my heart right out. My counsel is this, live freely, animated and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. See, this, in, the, in the King James, it says the sinful nature. But, you know, hey, what, what does that mean? I, I no longer beat people up so it doesn't apply to me. No. Selfishness. If my motivation is me, then I'm fulfilling this scripture. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit. Just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness, these two ways of life are antithetical so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. Why don't you choose to let the Spirit so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? I like, I like other people to have rules. Because <laughs> then I can tell them what to do. Me, I like to free will. But uh, I like other people to have the law. It's obvious that what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time, repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. 
a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, and all-consuming yet never satisfied wants. That's what living a selfish life leads to you. A brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded, lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I've warned you. You know, if you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit the kingdom of God, God's kingdom. Wow, that, that kind of thinking. And remember, this was not linear for me. It wasn't like I went step A, step B. This is circle after circle after circle of circle of living, realizing I need to be different. And I need to be different for a reason. And this is the reason. This truly is the reason. It's not so Stan can have a better life. It's so Stan can do what Jesus Christ asked him to do. That's why Stan needs to do this. In fact, it says, I take care of the sparrows and the flowers. Why, you don't think I would take care of you? I don't even have to worry about myself. God will take care of me. He, he gives me a commission to do something else, which is what I always wanted to do. I've always been driven to tell people about Jesus. It's always been inside of me. I just, it just came out ugly because I didn't understand. I needed to be transformed. I needed to be renewed. And that's the process. And I still need to be renewed. And that's the process we're all in, is being renewed to realize that God has called us here to be a witness for him. God has called us and, and he's left us here because if the goal was just get to heaven, why does he just take us? Okay, you got saved, boom, come on up. But he has another purpose, of which I don't understand all of it, believe me. I, I, I'll admit that right now. I admit a lot, I don't understand a lot of things, but I don't understand that one. Other than he wants his people to have the same, he wants his people or every human being on the planet. That's God's people. Remember that. When you say, oh, I love God's people, good. That means you love every single human being on the planet because they were all created in his image. And he loves every single one of them. And in fact, what I've learned is it doesn't matter if they've been saved or not. I need to treat everybody the same. I need to be me all the time. Whether I'm with someone who has not come to an understanding of who Christ is and what he did, or someone who's been saved for 60 years. I just need to be me, who Christ called me to be. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus, under, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me, this is the message, to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, making them be, be marking them by bap, not making. <laughs> That's the total opposite of what I just said. <laughs> In this, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I will be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up until the end of the age. So I needed this revelation, transformation, to fulfill this. 
And I was working hard at fulfilling this, believe me. I witnessed everybody. I was one of those really, one of those really obnoxious Christians. I mean, I would look for the slightest hint of doorway and oftentimes just kick it open. Not he didn't even need a hit. Let me tell you about Jesus, because you're going to hell. Oh, thank you. That's nice. I thought we were here to talk about buying carpet. What? You see what I'm saying? And then I re- through this process, I realized I don't ever have to do that. I just got to be who Christ has made me to be. And they will ask the questions. So I, I, I want to end with these scriptures. And then, I, then I have my last testimony there at the end. Well, not my last testimony. I'm going to get a whole bunch more because I'm going to live to be like 120. So I'll have a, well, barring that Jesus returns. But um, I'm going to get a lot more testimonies. But the, the last one. Jesus undeterred. Oh, sorry. Acts 1.8. When you get, what you'll get is the Holy Spirit. This, this is where, um, in Acts, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witness in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the wor- world. That means wherever you are, there is never a place you can't be a witness for Christ. Everywhere, in every place, your workplace. But how? Well, this was, this was the revelation that really tilted me in the right direction. Revelations 12, 11, talking about fighting against the evil one, but ultimately it's our whole, everybody's life is like this. They defeated him through the blood of the lamb, what Jesus Christ did for them, salvation, all the things that the blood did, and the bold word of their witness. They weren't in love with themselves. They were willing to die for Christ. You overcome people through the shed blood of the lamb, which gives you grace, and the word of your testimony. Wow. That has changed my, one, I am never responsible for leading anybody to the Lord. I mean, I'll pray with them, but it's not my job. I don't. Jesus brings the increase. God is the one who saves people, not me. Now, if the opportunity comes and says, the person says, okay, well, I have an Airbnb in my house, and I've had three or four people during that time say, so what do I have to do? Oh, well, you lead them in the prayer. Now, I honestly witness to every single person who comes into my home. My wife and I do all the time with our lifestyle. So I want to tell you this testimony. It is your testimony. Your testimony is a beautiful thing because people can argue with you about Scripture and doctrine. They can argue with you about which church you go to and which religion you're following, but they cannot argue about your testimony. So I fell off a ladder in Borneo and cracked my skull open. Four-inch crack in my head, I could stick my fingers through and touch my brain. And God healed it in half an hour. Now, whether people believe that or not is irrelevant. They weren't there. I was. And I'm the one sticking my finger through my crack in my skull. No, there was, my wife was there and a bunch of other people were there. But it still happened, whether they like it or not. That's my testimony. And my testimony, there, there are literally, because I've been serving God a long time, lots and lots of those kind of happenings that I can share with people that amazingly testify to them. Because they're not looking for a doctrinal reason to get saved. They're looking for hope, for transformation in their life. They're looking for their lives to be different. They're looking for an opportunity because everybody knows that life sucks. Some to some degree in their life, everybody knows that. 
and everybody's looking for something else, and you have the answer. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the answer to every one of those questions. Now, it may not be a direct, you know, tit for tat that your testimony, but the hope that your testimony is, that place where you can say, this is what Jesus did for me, whether it's taking you out of a sinful lifestyle, whether it's removing you from an addiction, whether it's making you not love fighting anymore, all of those things. Those, those testimonies are what touch people's hearts. So now, even when I get words of knowledge and prophecies for people, because I, when I go to restaurants and I'm sitting there by myself, I always ask, hey, God, do you want me to talk to somebody here? It's not that I don't talk to strangers. I do. But if he starts showing me something, the first thing I say is, how do I fall in love with this person more than just being a human? Show me something. Touch my heart that I will love this person that I will care about them, so I'll have empathy for them, that I'll have compassion on them, because I need to deliver this piece of information to them with a heart of love and compassion, a heart of hope, just like Jesus did to the lady at the well. Yeah, the guy you're with now is not your husband, and you've been married five times before. Now, the delivery on that determines everything. Yeah, you're just a slut. You're sleeping with this guy, and you can't keep married. Oh, that's going to make her want to listen to him some more. Sorry for those words. I apologize. They're by emphasis. Forgive me if that offends. You see the difference in the delivery? If you knew who you were talking to, I would renew your hope. I would transform you. I'd bring something about in your life that will change you. And it did. That's how important that is. So I want to tell this one story. Um, hopefully I'm conveying my message here. Um, this is an example of what I do now. So like I said, I have an Airbnb, and so people talk to me all the time because I love doing that. I love spending time with them. And I let, my wife and I let our love and care and compassion show, and we do not hide our Christianity in any way, in, in any way, but we also don't stick it down anybody's throat. We don't force anything. We don't make them pray with us at dinner. We don't do stuff like that. We just be who we are. And so this one gentleman's been staying with us a long time, and he comes up and sits down and he goes, can I talk to you about some personal stuff? And I'm like, sure. And he says, well, I know you've, you're like religious. I said, well, okay, yeah, I, I do take care of widows and orphans. And he kind of looked at me and I said, well, that's what the scripture said. Pure religion undefiled before man and God is taking care of widows and orphans. And I adopted three kids, so I'm good. <laughs> he laughed. That's my testimony. You see what I'm saying? That's my testimony. He, can, he, he could argue with the scripture, but he can't argue with what I did. Four hours, he's asking me questions, and I am not generating the conversation. Well, what about this? What about that? How can, but how, I was raised as a religious person. I see, da 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 da, and I said, you know, I, I'm not even going to try to answer your que the question in a way that proves to you the Bible's right or wrong or that your church was right or wrong. I'm just going to tell you what happened to me. And I was able to share a whole bunch of different testimonies, including the cracked skull testimony. And um, <clears throat> it was amazing. And you know what? He didn't pray the prayer. And I don't care. I care in that I hope that he gets saved. But I don't care that he didn't do it then because that's not my job. My job is to trust in the blood of the lamb that gives me the grace and the word of my testimony. And that is always enough. 
I believe. Now, you may disagree with me, and that's okay. That's okay. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. Sarah asked me to share my testimony, and that's what I'm doing. So that's how I now share. I get with people in whatever way it is, and I try to always think they have a free will. I want to love them. God, if I'm not in a loving mood, put me in one before I talk to them. I, I go through this whole process of doing that because I believe it's critical, and, I also, and I'm hoping that someday it comes really natural to me because I think it came really natural to Jesus just to love everybody. I had to learn and practice it. But, man, do I. Now, I used to look at it as a labor of love, mostly labor, to share, an obligation Something I had to do. Well, how fun is doing something you have to do? I mean, if you've had a job where you really didn't like it, but you had to do it to get a paycheck, it's not like you're filled with joy and happiness when you get there. You, you say things like, oh, I gotta go to work. <sighs> Man, I am glad Friday's here. Ugh. Well, I don't ever wanna feel that way about Jesus, ever, or about sharing my testimony with people about it. I want it to be, oh, wow, you want to ask that? And that's the way it was with this guy. I'm sitting inside. I'm like, this guy is just, you know, just setting me up. What about this, Stan? Oh, boop, boop, boop. what about this? Boop, boop, boop. What about this? And all I did was share what my experiences in Jesus Christ. And all of it laced with scripture, because I know the word of God. It wasn't that I left the word of God out. Please don't hear that. But I didn't give it as the word I got. I gave it as my testimony because that is the word of God in me, living thing in my heart. In fact, that's what the Bible says, that it should become living, written on our hearts, not just in our brain, but on our hearts. And so I just, I want to encourage all of us that sharing the love of Jesus is as simple as telling them anything you know God has done for you. That's how simple it is. And that is really all you're responsible to do. And then respond. When they, when they respond, then you respond. Really, I think it's, it is fun. I'm having a really good time. I have, well, this, in this last year, I've had over 60 people stay in our home. I love it. Complete strangers, it's been glorious. I love every opportunity. And, and I don't sit there and connive ways to put the gospel in. I just, we just live our life and people are like, wow. A huge amount of it is because we have a lot of people in our home, friends and family. And they, they are like, your daughters, your friends, where do you get friends like that? They're amazing. I'm not kidding at all. That is not, I'm not making anything up. This is true. These people think you people are amazing. Those of you that they've met in my home, because you have Jesus Christ inside of you. And it then gives me the opportunity to tell them, well, let me tell you why they're so wonderful. Along with being created in the image of God, they have this relationship with God. Boom, so it's great stuff. So now, Kelsey is gonna come and pray a song. Sing a song, not just play it. And so let me pray real quick for all of us. Lord, I just pray right now that I'm reminded of the scripture in Toy the scripture, this thing in Toy Story where they're getting ready to go moving, and 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 Woody goes, "If you got your moving buddy, if you don't have one, get one. Well, if you don't have a testimony, go get one, and share it with anybody and everybody you can. 
Lord, I just pray blessing upon each and every one of us. Let our testimonies bubble out of us as we walk in this world with the people, Lord, that we share them with whoever we're with. Lord, we share with them with them because we love them and we know you love them. And we ask blessing upon that in Jesus' name. Amen.